Chapter 3 of Twilight Land. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Belgule. Twilight Land by Howard Pyle. The Talisman of Solomon. Part 1. There was, once upon a time, a man whom other men called Arban Hassan the Wise. He had read a thousand books of magic, and knew all that the ancients or moderns had to tell of the hidden arts. The king of the demons of the earth, a great and hideous monster named Zadok, was his servant, and came and went as Arban Hassan the wise ordered, and did as he bade. After Arban Hassan learned all that it was possible for man to know, he said to himself, Now I will take my ease and enjoy my life. So he called the demon Zadok to him, and said to the monster, I have read in my books that there is a treasure that was one time hidden by the ancient kings of Egypt, a treasure such as the eyes of man never saw before or since their day. Is that true? It is true, said the demon. Then I command thee to take me to that treasure and show it to me, said Arban Hassan the wise. It shall be done, said the demon. And thereupon he caught up the wise man, and transported him across mountain and valley, across land and sea, until he brought him to a country known as the land of the Black Isles, where the treasure of the ancient kings was hidden. The demon showed the magician the treasure, and it was a sight such as man had never looked upon before or since the days that the dark ancient ones hid it. With his treasure, Arban Hassan built himself palaces and gardens and paradises such as the world never saw before. He lived like an emperor, and the fame of his doings rang through all the four corners of the earth. Now the queen of the Black Isles was the most beautiful woman in the world, but she was as cruel and wicked and cunning as she was beautiful. No man that looked upon her could help loving her, for not only was she as beautiful as a dream, but her beauty was of that sort that it bewitched a man in spite of himself. One day the queen sent for Arban Hassan the Wise. Tell me, said she, is it true that men say of you that you have discovered a hidden treasure such as the world never saw before? And she looked at Arban Hassan so that his wisdom all crumbled away like sand, and he became just as foolish as other men. Yes, said he, it is true. Arban Hassan the wise spent all that day with the queen, and when he left the palace he was like a man drunk and dizzy with love. Moreover, he had promised to show the queen the hidden treasure the next day. As Arban Hassan, like a man in a dream, walked towards his own house, he met an old man standing at the corner of the street. The old man had a talisman that hung dangling from a chain, and which he offered for sale. When Arban Hassan saw the talisman he knew very well what it was, that it was the famous talisman of King Solomon the Wise. If he who possessed the talisman asked it to speak, it would tell that man both what to do and what not to do. The wise man bought the talisman for three pieces of silver, and wisdom has been sold for less than that many a time. And as soon as he had the talisman in his hands, he hurried home with it and locked himself in the room. Tell me, said the wise man to the talisman, shall I marry the beautiful queen of the Black Isles? Fly while there is yet time to escape, said the talisman, but go not near the queen again, for she seeks to destroy thy life. But tell me, O talisman, said the wise man, what then shall I do with all that vast treasure of the kings of Egypt? Fly from it while there is yet chance to escape, said the talisman, but go not into the treasure house again, 
possesses the treasure. But Zadok, said Arban Hassan, what of Zadok? Fly from the monster while there is yet time to escape, said the talisman, and have no more to do with thy demon slave, for already he is weaving a net of death and destruction about thy feet. The wise man sat all that night pondering and thinking upon what the talisman had said. When morning came, he washed and dressed himself, and called the demon Zadok to him. Zadok, said he, carry me to the palace of the queen. In the twinkling of an eye the demon transported him to the steps of the palace. Zadok, said the wise man, give me the staff of life and death. And the demon brought from under his clothes a wand, one half of which was of silver, and one half of which was of gold. The wise man touched the steps of the palace with the silver end of the staff. Instantly all the sound and hum of life was hushed. The thread of life was cut by the knife of silence, and in a moment all was as still as death. Zadok, said the wise man, transport me to the treasure-house of the king of Egypt. And instantly the demon had transported him thither. The wise man drew a circle upon the earth. No one, said he, shall have power to enter here but the master of Zadok, the king of the demons of the earth. And now, Zadok, said he, I command thee to transport me to India, and as far from here as thou canst. Instantly the demon did as he was commanded, and of all the treasure that he had, the wise man took nothing with him but a jar of golden money and a jar of silver money. As soon as the wise man stood upon the ground of India, he drew from beneath his robe a little jar of glass. Zadok, said he, I command thee to enter this jar. Then the demon knew that now his turn had come. He besought and implored the wise man to have mercy upon him, but it was all in vain. Then the demon roared and bellowed till the earth shook and the sky grew dark overhead, but all was of no avail. Into the jar he must go, and into the jar he went. Then the wise man stoppered the jar and sealed it. He wrote an inscription of warning upon it, and then he buried it in the ground. Now said Arban Hassan the wise to the talisman of Solomon. Have I done everything that I should? No, said the talisman. Thou shouldst not have brought the jar of golden money and the jar of silver money with thee, for that which is evil in the greatest is evil in the least. Thou fool, the treasure is cursed. Cast it all from thee while there is yet time. Yes, I will do that too, said the wise man. So he buried in the earth the jar of gold and the jar of silver that he had brought with him, and then he stamped the mould down upon it. After that the wise man began his life all over again. He bought and he sold, and he traded, and by and by he became rich. Then he built himself a great house, and in the foundation he laid the jar in which the demon was bottled. Then he married a young and handsome wife. By and by the wife bore him a son, and then she died. This son was the pride of his father's heart, but he was as vain and foolish as his father was wise, so that all men called him Arban Hassan the Fool, as they called the father Arban Hassan the Wise. Then one day death came and called the old man, and he left his son all that belonged to him, even the talisman of Solomon. Young Arban Hassan the Fool had never seen so much money as now belonged to him. It seemed to him that there was nothing in the world he could not enjoy. He found friends by the dozens and scores, and everybody seemed to be fond of him. He asked no questions of the talisman of Solomon, for to his mind there was no need of being both wise and rich. So he began enjoying himself with his new friends, 
Day and night there was feasting and drinking and singing and dancing and merrymaking and carousing, and the money that the old man had made by trading and wise living poured out like water through a sieve. Then, one day, came an end to all this junketing, and nothing remained to the young spendthrift of all the wealth that his father had left him. Then the officers of the law came down upon him and seized all that was left of the fine things, and his fair-weather friends flew away from his troubles like flies from vinegar. Then the young man began to think of the talisman of wisdom, for it was with him as it is with so many of us. When folly has emptied the platter, wisdom is called in to pick the bones. "'Tell me,' said the young man to the talisman of Solomon, "'what shall I do now that everything is gone?' said the talisman of Solomon, and work as thy father has worked before thee. Advise with me, and become prosperous and contented. But do not go dig under the cherry tree in the garden. Why should I not dig under the cherry tree in the garden? says the young man. I will see what is there at any rate. So he straightway took a spade, and went into the garden, where the talisman had told him not to go. He dug and dug under the cherry tree, and by and by his spade struck something hard. It was a vessel of brass, and it was full of silver money. Upon the lid of the vessel were these words, engraved in the handwriting of the old man who had died. My son, this vessel full of silver has been brought from the treasure house of the ancient kings of Egypt. Take this, then, that thou findest, advise with the talisman, be wise and prosper. And they call that the talisman of wisdom, said the young man. If I had listened to it, I'd never have found this treasure. The next day he began to spend the money he had found, and his friends soon gathered around him again. The vessel of silver money lasted a week, and then it was all gone. Not a single piece was left. Then the young man bethought himself again of the talisman of Solomon. "'What shall I do now?' said he, to save myself from ruin. "'Earn thy bread with honest labour," said the talisman, "'and I will teach thee how to prosper.' but do not dig beneath the fig tree that stands by the fountain in the garden. The young man did not tarry long after he heard what the talisman had said. He seized a spade and hurried away to the fig tree in the garden as fast as he could run. He dug and dug, and by and by his spade struck something hard. It was a copper vessel, and it was filled with gold money. Upon the lid of the vessel was engraved these words in the handwriting of the old man who had gone. My son! My son, they said, thou hast been warned once. Be warned again. The gold money in this vessel has been brought from the treasure house of the ancient kings of Egypt. Take it, be advised by the talisman of Solomon, be wise and prosper. And to think that if I had listened to the talisman, I would never have found this, said the young man. The gold in the vessel lasted maybe for a month of jollity and merrymaking, but at the end of that time there was nothing left, not a copper farthing. Tell me, said the young man to the talisman, what shall I do now? Thou fool, said the talisman, go sweat and toil, but do not go down into the vault beneath this house. There in the vault is a red stone built into the wall. The red stone turns upon a pivot. Behind the stone is a hollow place. As thou wouldst save thy life from peril, go not near it. Hear that now, says the young man. First this talisman told me not to go, and I found silver. Then it told me not to go, and I found gold. Now it tells me not to go. Perhaps I shall find precious stones enough for a king's ransom. He lit a lantern, 
and went down into the vault beneath the house. There, as the talisman had said, was the red stone built into the wall. He pressed the stone, and it turned upon its pivot as the talisman had said it would turn. Within was a hollow space, as the talisman said there would be. In the hollow space there was a casket of silver. The young man snatched it up, and his hands trembled for joy. Upon the lid of the box were these words in the father's handwriting, written in letters as red as blood. Fool! Fool! Thou hast been a fool once, thou hast been a fool twice. Be not a fool for a third time. Restore this casket whence it was taken, and depart. I will see what is in the box, at any rate, said the young man. He opened it. There was nothing in it but a hollow glass jar the size of an egg. The young man took the jar from the box. It was as hot as fire. He cried out and let it fall. The jar burst upon the floor with a crack of thunder. The house shook and rocked, and the dust flew about in clouds. Then all was still. And when Arban Hassan the fool could see through the cloud of terror that enveloped him, he beheld a great, tall, hideous being as black as ink, and with eyes that shone like coals of fire. When the young man saw that terrible creature, his tongue clave to the roof of his mouth, and his knees smoked together with fear, for he thought that his end had now certainly come. "'Who are you?' he croaked, as soon as he could find his voice. "'I am the king of the demons of the earth, and my name is Zadok,' answered the being. "'I was once thy father's slave, and now I am thine, thou being his son.' When thou speakest, I must obey, and whatever thou commandest me to do, that I must do. For instance, what can you do for me? said the young man. I can do whatsoever you ask me. I can make you rich. You can make me rich? Yes, I can make you richer than a king. Then make me rich as soon as you can, said Arban Hassan the Fool. And that is all that I shall ask of you now. It shall be done, said the demon. Spend all thou canst spend, and thou shalt always have more. Has my lord any further commands for his slave? No, said the young man. There is nothing more. You may go now. And thereupon the demon vanished like a flash. And to think, said the young man as he came up out of the vault, and to think that all this I should never have found if I had obeyed the talisman. Such riches were never seen in that land as the young man now possessed. There was no end to the treasure that poured in upon him. He lived like an emperor. He built a palace more splendid than the palace of the king. He laid out vast gardens of the most exquisite beauty, in which there were fountains as white as snow, trees of rare fruit and flowers that filled all the air with their perfume, summer-houses of alabaster and ebony. Every one who visited him was received like a prince, entertained like a king, given a present fit for an emperor, and sent away happy. The fame of all these things went out through all the land, and every one talked of him and the magnificence that surrounded him. It came at last to the ears of the king himself, and one day he said to his minister, Let us go and see with our own eyes if all the things reported of this merchant's son are true. So the king and his minister disguised themselves as foreign merchants, and went that evening to the palace where the young man lived. A servant dressed in clothes of gold and silver cloth stood at the door, and called them to come in and be made welcome. He led them in, and to a chamber lit with perfumed lamps of gold. 
Then six black slaves took them in charge and led them to a bath of white marble. They were bathed in perfumed water and dried with towels of fine linen. When they came forth they were clad in clothes of cloth of silver, stiff with gold and jewels. Then twelve handsome white slaves led them through a vast and splendid hall to a banqueting room. When they entered they were deafened with a noise of carousing and merrymaking. Arban Hassan the fool sat at the head of the table upon a throne of gold, with a canopy of gold above his head. When he saw the king and the minister enter, he beckoned to them to come and sit beside him. He showed them special favour because they were strangers, and special servants waited upon them. The king and his minister had never seen anything like what they then saw. They could hardly believe it was not all magic and enchantment. At the end of the feast, each of the guests was given a present of great value and was sent away rejoicing. The king received a pearl as big as a marble, the minister a cup of wrought gold. The next morning, the king and the prime minister were talking over what they had seen. Sire, said the prime minister, I have no doubt but that the young man has discovered some vast hidden treasure. Now, according to the laws of this kingdom, the half of any treasure that is discovered shall belong to the king's treasury. If I were in your place, I would send for this young man and compel him to tell me whence comes all this vast wealth. That is true, said the king. I had not thought of that before. The young man shall tell me all about it. So they sent a royal guard and brought the young man to the king's palace. When the young man saw in the king and the prime minister his guests of the night before, whom he had thought to be only foreign merchants, he fell on his face and kissed the ground before the throne. But the king spoke to him kindly and raised him up and sat him on the seat beside him. They talked for a while concerning different things, and then the king said at last, "'Tell me, my friend, whence comes all the inestimable wealth that you must possess to allow you to live as you do?' "'Sire,' said the young man, "'I cannot tell you whence it comes. I can only tell you that it is given to me.' The king frowned. "'You cannot tell,' said he. "'You must tell. It is for that that I have sent for you.' and you must tell me. Then the young man began to be frightened. I beseech you, said he, do not ask me whence it comes. I, I cannot tell you. Then the king's brows grew as black as thunder. What? he cried. Do you dare to bandy words with me? I know that you have discovered some treasure. Tell me upon the instant where it is, for the half of it by the laws of the land belongs to me, and I will have it. At the king's words, Arban Hassan the fool fell on his knees. "'Sire,' said he, "'I will tell you all the truth. There is a demon named Zadok, a monster as black as a coal. He is my slave, and it is he that brings me all the treasure that I enjoy.' The king thought nothing else than that Arban Hassan the fool was trying to deceive him. He laughed. He was very angry. "'What?' cried he. "'Do you amuse me by such an absurd and unbelievable tale?' Now I am more than ever sure that you have discovered a treasure, and that you wish to keep the knowledge of it from me, knowing, as you do, that the one half of it by law belongs to me. Take him away, cried he to his attendants. Give him fifty lashes and throw him into prison. He shall stay there and have fifty lashes every day until he tells me where his wealth is hidden. End of chapter 3 Recording by Steve Belgule of Morpeth in Northumberland